Where do you go for comics new and old? Uh, garage sales? Wrong! Where do you see your favorite television and movie stars? Uh, in magazines, mostly. Wrong again! And where do you go to see the best in cosplay? Well, there are lots of different options if you're looking for something... <laughs> so incredibly wrong! Wizard World Comic Con. Wizard World Comic Con offers live entertainment and gaming, comics new and old, cosplay, toys and memorabilia, and a chance to meet your favorite television and movie stars. Meet X-Files stars David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, August 23rd through the 26th in Chicago, Illinois. Then meet Sons of Anarchy stars Ron Perlman and Ryan Hurst, September 7th through the 9th in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Then meet Doctor Who stars Peter Capaldi and Pearl Mackey, September 21st through the 23rd in Austin, Texas. For news, celebrity updates, and tickets to future shows, go to wizardworld.com. Don't feel like paying full price? No problem. Use promo code CANDARE at checkout (laughs) to get 10% off your tickets. So, where are you going to go for your pop culture fix? The, The internet? Oh, good answer. Really? No! Wizard World Comic Con! Go to wizardworld.com for tickets. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the bug that splatters across the windshield of crime. I am Darkwing Duck, and I'm listening to the Candair Podcast. How about you? everyone and welcome to another episode of Candare, your tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And joining us today, comic creator Josh Dahl. Man, it has been a while since you've been on the show. Welcome back. Thank you. It is super great to be here once again. And I'm excited to uh, talk about your new project. When we had you on before, both times we were talking uh, Rapid City comic, which was a lot of fun to check out. But this looks like it has a whole different feel. Skies over Superior. I'm excited to find out more about that. Great. Before we do that, in our retro roundtable, we're going to be looking at the best and worst finales from televisions and movies. I guess it's probably more aimed toward television, right? I can't really think of a, like, I guess maybe like a a movie series might have a lousy finale. Ooh, yeah. That's it. I didn't even think about that. Like the Harry Potter or Star Wars or stuff like that. Yeah. point. Just kind of peters out, you know? Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, then it qualifies. (laughs) So that's what we'll be talking about there. Then the comic vault. Jake, what do you have to talk about this week? Well, uh, in the next installment of Jake is way late to the party, I'm going to be talking about Starslip, a fantastic webcomic that's been concluded since 2015, but it is well worth checking out. I trust you. You always bring good stuff. (laughs) I trust you. I do what I can. So one of the things we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Josh and talk about Skies Over Superior. Uh, Quick side note to our listeners, you might hear a fan in the background, and you're probably wondering, (laughs) why is Jake on Skype? Because the air conditioner in the studio is completely gone. I am sitting here in my underwear. It is 88 degrees in this room. And to to have the guys in this room with no AC, I mean, it generates some serious dude heat. So everyone kind of stayed home and did their own thing. And I'm appreciative uh, for you guys still joining me through uh, this technical difficulty. (laughs) Dude, when it comes to heat, I am a man of paper constitution. I just can't handle it. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, I would, I would buckle. 
you're a, you're a sweaty hero. <laughs> it's it's just it shows my dedication to this show, I guess, right? It's really admirable when you think about it. I'm gonna have to scrub this chair down. But anyway, that's for another day. <laughs> oh, that's for... the smell of heroism. <laughs> oh, Jake, where can these people find us on social media? Oh man, all over the place, but mostly Twitter and Instagram. Uh, on Twitter, we are at CannedAirPod, and on Instagram, we are at Canned underscore Air. Both of which are bringing you fun gifts and images and other things, including updates and our latest episodes. So just head on down there and retweet and follow and do all that fun stuff. Also, if you like what we do, head on down to Patreon, throw a couple of bucks a month our way, and it goes so much further than you think. It's really what you're paying for is our self-confidence, I like to think. It just kind of keeps us uh, keeps us motivated and helps us make a better show because we're not depressed and waiting for death the whole time we're recording. So that's fun, too. And uh, are we still doing our Wizard World promo code? We are still doing that. But one thing with the Patreon, remember, you're not only showing us some love. You're getting a show out of it. There's a whole other series in there you can uh, That's a fact. Uh, But yes, Wizard World. uh, Canned air, no space. Hit the promo box at checkout. Get 10% off your uh, ticket prices. Uh, So, I mean, that's that's a decent amount when you're buying con tickets. That shit's expensive. Can't beat it. Right? That's great. Every little bit helps. That it does, Jake. That it does. Very hey, well said. That's an extra third of a Funko Pop next time you go to a convention. So think of it that Ooh. way. We ought to start calculating what you can buy exactly with that 10% off. <laughs> yeah, More incentive. Bottle of water. Right? <laughs> Half a sandwich. Prearranged Subway sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable. And here we go. All right, guys. So the best and worst finales. Where do we begin? Jake, start us off, would you? I want to talk about Futurama right off the bat. Oh, wow. Good choice. Because although they're... Thank you. They're like constant rumors that Futurama is going to come back on this, that, or the other. And it's done it like three or four times, so I totally get it. But if this finale that we saw was the finale, it's a perfect send-off. I think it wraps everything up in a nice little bow. In a show based so heavily around time travel, you've got this this situation where it can all happen again, and it is. It's almost like the reruns aren't reruns anymore. Everyone gets what they want. Everyone ends happy, and not in a way that feels cheap or like a cop-out. It's just, I don't know. I don't use this word often, but it felt wholesome. It was what I really wanted for that series. So I think they really knocked it out of the park on that one. Totally agree with you on that, 100%. And just, yeah, making the whole series uh, one big loop was yeah. just ingenious, ingenious. Love it. Same here. And Ch- that's one of the things that upsets me about finales is I, I've got an issue with things I like coming to an end. <laughs> Movies, games, series. And in this way, it almost sort of didn't. So it's an easier pill for me to swallow just from a personal standpoint. Yeah, I think I watched that last episode live, and it was really... It was. It sucked, you know, watching it go because the first time it got canceled, it sucked, and then when it came back, it was yeah. so exciting, and then to see it go again, and you know, probably for good, it sucked. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you were right. That ending was very satisfying, and uh, I don't know. It made it easier to cope. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Josh, what do you got? Um, well, you're saying uh, wholesome reminded me of uh, the King of the Hill finale. 
Oh, which, man, you're going to have to refresh me on that. I know I've I, I remember. Well, some... it was w- weird because they were in the midst somehow in their last season, something got juggled. And the episode that was the finale was not the actual last episode. There was another episode on after it. But when you watch it, you'll know it's the finale. And it's just a really sweet episode where Hank and Bobby find some common ground and they understand each other. And there's a bunch of little reveals and a bunch of little wrapped up with a bow. And the last scene is just really, really nice. It's I'll, I'll spoil it for you. It's um, they, they've come together on grilling because Bobby loves meats and Hank loves <laughs> propane and they're grilling hamburgers and they're standing there and they're talking about you come to realize the last episode of the series because they say like, well, it looks like this is the last one. Well, this is a pretty good one to end on. And it, really? It's, it's just, it's really, really nice. And oh, yeah. they, um, I'm not going to spoil this one. There's a cut to Boomhauer getting ready to come yes. over. Yes. And it finally reveals what Boomhauer's actual occupation is. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. There you go. So go find that episode. It's great. Oh, that's almost touching in a way. There's, there's something really excellent about that. Very much in the same vein as the uh, your as your pick. What was it again, Jake? I'm sorry. Uh, Futurama. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Man, King of the Hill is one of those shows where there's a lot more going on under the hood than you would think. And, and I remember for the longest time, I didn't care much for it. It's not that I disliked it. I just never really gave it the time of day. But the more I started watching it, the more I realized that it's a it's a smart show. It's well handled. It's it's well done. It's poignant. Really knocks it out of the park, I think. It definitely offered a lot more than Beavis and Butthead ever did. Um, (laughs) Perhaps just a little. (laughs) I remember when Beavis and Butthead came out, it was very much a cultural force. Not that you had to be there to know that. I mean, that's pretty common knowledge how big of a show it was. But um, Still kind of a big deal when I was younger. Right. And I um, was always a fan just of the format of the show where, you know, you get a quick little cartoon, you watch some music videos that, you know, at that time weren't too old and they're ancient now, but um, <laughs> right. we're still a lot of fun to hear their commentary over them. And it was just a good balance. So uh, later in my later years, I bought uh, some of their seasons, Beavis and Bud season one and two. And when I got them home, I realized that they the episode structures had been torn apart. One disc was all oh. music videos. The other disc what? was all the cartoons. And I thought, why would you Weird. do that? Whose idea is that? Did it work that way? No. I mean, I <laughs> I put the cartoons in, you know, and like three in, like you are the hell over it. Which I guess is, <laughs> makes sense. You, I think in the show you got, what, two cartoons and two music videos. So you got just enough. And when they're all back to back like that, it was not an easy watch. And then you put the music videos in and you just kind of get disinterested for a while. Because, again, it just it stays the same thing. It was a good mix up and they fucked it up. (laughs) Did Beavis and Butthead ever ever have any kind of finale? I know they came back briefly like a few years ago on MTV. But was there any kind of... They uh, were supposed to have gotten killed. Yeah, I remember the finale was supposed to be they were killed off. I don't think they actually were. But it's a funny thing you actually bringing that up because uh, 
I wanted cable so long. We were one of the last people on the block mm. to get cable, you know. And Beavis and Butthead was one of those reasons. I really wanted to check out that show, but I could only see it at a friend's house. And uh, so finally, my family uh, decided we're getting cable. And I'm not nice. shitting you. The switch was turned on five minutes after the last episode aired. Wow. I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. That is the <laughs> God's honest truth. It's like they knew somehow. They just had to stick it to you. That's my life, Jake. That's my life. <laughs> that just sums it all up. Sitting in an 88-degree room. <laughs> what the hell do you think? Oh, my God. I feel God. like there were, there were flashes forward to older Beavis and Butthead, right? Didn't I know they did that in the... Uh, I don't know. I remember in the movie they showed... Uh, their dads like they met up with their right. fathers but they obviously right. didn't ever put together that they were <laughs> related um maybe they did i just remember the big gimmick of it was that uh, they were going to be killed off in the last episode but i, I again i don't think they right, were right. i don't remember them coming back a few years ago i don't remember that it, no i i didn't see any of it but you're, I, but I you're saying it did same. come back for a short run or what yeah they were i know they were making fun of like new videos that's all I really recall. I, I didn't see any of them. It was probably hmm. some sort of YouTube thing. Could be. I'll have to look into that. I'm very curious to see that. Huh. Yeah, I, I remembered hearing something about it, but I don't, it just flew under my radar, I guess. Very good. That was a good pick. King of the Hill. It's a show that, uh, yeah, is, it's a very good show. It takes me, I have to be in the mood for it. I have to be in a certain mood for it. But uh, yeah. when I am in the mood for it, boy, I could just binge it. For sure. Yeah, and it, it, works, it, it always works. helps that Tom Petty did a voice in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's so charming and appealing. It's it's wonderful. That it is. Well said. One of my picks here is uh, not too old of a finale, maybe a few years. Jake, I know you're going to be uh, right on board with me here with Samurai right. Jack. Oh, hell yeah. You know, this show came back after how many years gone? I several long time it had been a long time six seven something more? like that yeah but it, it came back to give it that final season and i i don't remember if but uh maybe there were some episodes that like three or four story you know three or four episode story arcs but i don't think any of the other seasons played together like this last season did did they? Do no, they, I don't I think they stood no, on their own for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's what I thought. But um, my God, it was gorgeous. I was captivated by every moment. I, there wasn't an episode where I was like, oh, that sucked. You know, <laughs> every one was just like a piece of art. And well, by the end of it, every single frame of that show was stunning. You could have stopped it, printed it out and hung it on your wall and it would have been gorgeous. Oh, yeah, no doubt. And the character Ashi, what a great addition, and what a oh, she's the best. cutie she was. She just <laughs> kicked ass. But um, you know, I, I'm not going to uh, spoil the ending. I think maybe I have on this show before, but in, in the spirit of uh, keeping see, uh, endings sacred, you should uh, check it out. It just seems Jack, no matter what, is uh, doomed to lead a tortured existence. Mm. Always one step forward, two steps back with it. Yeah, no kidding. Poor guy. We are back to you, Jake. Everyone knows that, like, The Sopranos is one of the most infamously unsatisfying <laughs> finales of all time. You're right. But yes. Did you guys ever watch Mad Men? No, Not Brooke did. Really. 
And I know she really enjoyed it. I think she tried I, to get me to watch it, actually. I should. I enjoyed it, too. And it's it's one of those things that didn't quite consume me like a lot of other series. But I, I watched the whole run of it kind of after the fact. Um, once it had been on, I think, Netflix it was for a while. And I enjoyed the hell out of it. And it was written by the same fellow who wrote The Sopranos. So around the time they had declared the show was over and the finale was coming up, I was fully prepared for something miserable. You know, just just an empty letdown of a finisher. I'd be like, all right, well, there goes my show. But uh, I got to say, Mad Men had a pretty phenomenal ending. I'm sure plenty of momentous things happen, but there's just one bit in particular. And I don't know if you know the premise. I'm going to go ahead and spoil this because either you've seen Mad Men or you're not interested in seeing it. It's not a show with, like, a lot of mass appeal. But um, he's an ad man. That's his whole job. Advertisement, getting you to buy the thing he's selling. And in the end, he has some kind of psychological breakdown, pisses off to a hippie commune for a little while. And there's this uh, this zoom in close up of him meditating main character. His eyes snap open and it hard cuts to that famous Coca-Cola commercial where everyone's, you know, joining hands and singing across the globe. Oh, wow. As oh, though no it, shit. Yeah. This this whole life journey led him to that possibly the most iconic advertisement in all of human history. And I thought, like. There it is. That's exactly what I needed out of this, and uh, I was very pleased. Wow. That's really so even cool. at his most, at his most, at the height of his hippie introspection, personal journey, he's still conceiving ads. That's right. That's the best part. He's he's true to himself. You know. Nice. I love it. Good pick. Thank you, Josh. We are back to you. I th- I, I think my favorite finale from any show is uh, the FX series The Shield I've never seen it oh it's a cop show came out in um, right around 2000 I have vague, I vaguely remember it it sounds familiar for sure I know I, the name but that's about all right. right it was it was the show that paved the way for Sons of Anarchy okay that sort of like the in fact, some people point out there is uh, a shared universe between those two shows where one of the gangs that the cops on the shield encounter later encounters the guys from Sons of Anarchy, maybe. Like, really? But it's uh, it's Michael Chiklis. It was kind of his career-making TV series. And he's the toughest cop in L.A. He's crooked but follows his own morality. And... The series is dark as hell. It goes like characters get killed in bad ways and it's mean. And like the last season is a little bloated. You can tell that they had more episodes than they knew what to do with. They knew what the, you know, what the finale was going to be. And so there's some, there's a, a good deal of padding in the final season, but the final episode, the way it winds up and the comeuppance that comes down for the main characters is like a perfect bow all the way back to season one, episode one. And it's just, it makes the whole series just seeing the, the one lead cop, Vic Mackey, just destroy, use his, you know, br- brutal momentum to destroy his entire life. And where he lands at the end, it's just killer. It's, if it, if I'll, I'll give a non-spoiler, I'll tell you an ending that it's not. If the ending were, he went away to prison. You'd be like, dang, he's fucked. But you'd also know 
yeah, but he's the toughest cop there. And he's going to fight his way out and blackmail somebody and like something awesome's going to happen in prison. Or, But the way they wrap it up, like a trap that he laid for other people gets set on him. Oh. And the final footage is like none of his games are going to work and this is done. And it's just such a mm-hmm. like casket closing on it. Like you done. It's very it's the kind of satisfying where up until the last moment you remind yourself, oh, yeah, he's the bad guy. <laughs> like I, I like him. You know but what he it sounds- deserves? Wow. It sounds exactly like you're describing the movie Blow. You ever seen Blow? Oh, I have not seen Blow. Oh, my God, Jake. No, I can't say I have. You both need to watch it. I don't know the guy's name, but it's ba- it's Johnny Depp based on the true story of the the guy who introduced cocaine um, to the United States in the early oh, 80s, great. 70s, early 80s. And, um, man, very same kind of uh, ending to that movie, which I guess was a real thing where, you know, he thinks he's making one last big score and it all turns to be... A trap, you know. Right, right. Those are gratifying endings because a lot. Some of the times, you know, when you're not expecting it, it'll beat you to uh, figuring it out. Like shit's already happening. What's going on? Who, who, who are these people? I I don't know. I just remember watching Blow, having that experience. Like it had already been let up before I (laughs) crossed the finish line. I guess. It's always good when a show doesn't wait for you to have it all figured out. You know, everything hits you that much harder. It didn't give you any inkling that that was going to happen. So you were just as surprised as the, as, uh, the John, Until, John character. Right, uh, like with The Shield and to a degree like Breaking Bad, you don't have any idea it's going to happen until you step back and go, oh, yeah, of course that was going to happen. Right. Right. It all makes sense in the end. Right. Where, right. Of course, the guy doing all the horrible things is going <laughs> to get punished for it. That's how drama works. Man, Breaking Bad. I've never had quite an experience with a television series as that one. That was incredible. It just broke all the rules. I think just about everybody agrees. Yeah, I'm not saying anything prolific here, Jake, so thanks for putting me in my place. (laughs) All I mean is you're in good company. (laughs) So Breaking Bad finale. Do you guys, are you guys, uh, um, Hip to the uh, the theory going around that the finale was imaginary. Oh, it better oh, not be, man. I hope if they oh. try to sell that shit off. No, when you pay attention to it, I I, I think that it is imaginary, and I love it. What? Where it's if you watch carefully, um, you you remember it pretty well, right? I yeah. I don't know if Jake, have you seen it? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. So, uh, um, audience, go watch it right now. Um, <laughs> Hit pause, go watch the series, and then come back. <laughs> the, at the end of the penultimate episode, he's about to head back to uh, um, Albuquerque. Right. Then, I, I think that's the way it works out. And at the very beginning, a uh, cop car pulls up behind him. And then he, he, he gets away, right? He... I forget what it is. He talks his way out of it or whatever. But there's a moment where the cop is, you see the, the cop lights flashing and he has kind of a, like an, Oh no moment. And then he starts the car and drives away. Right. Mm-hmm. From that moment on the whole rest of the episode is him. Either he's either dead or he's passed out or he's imagining it 
whatever. And if you watch carefully, he does impossible things all the way throughout the episode that, like, Walter White was always about science, but he mm-hmm. doesn't like ninja stuff on the finale. He sneaks in and out of places unheard of. He's such a famous criminal that he's on, like, a current affair and stuff like that. And yet he can go back into his hometown and back out again and poison Lydia and buy a machine gun and build a robot arm that will operate a machine gun. He's never shown any aptitude for robotics. And yet, he, you know, he's a chemist, not a robot, robotist or whatever. And all these things are like his satisfaction. His son bitches him out. No, you killed Uncle Hank. Right. But he sets up the fund for his son anyway. So that's sort of like emotional comeuppance and punishment. And at the end, he dies. And the last thing, it, like the cops are coming in and you see it flashing light again. Right. So it begins and ends with the uh, police lights flashing. Hmm. And now you're like, wait, so what? So the one other time in the series when they when you saw on film something that wasn't real. Well, there, there was a, a drug sequence with Jesse that was uh, um, him and his girlfriend kind of tripping out. But yeah. that was just, uh, but the one other time there was something on screen that was not real was the episode with the fly in the laboratory. And at the very end, he's staring up into a flashing red light and there's a fly inside the light. And he was, he was hallucinating the fly inside the light. So the, the red light is saying, hallucination, hallucination. That was a signal at the beginning of the finale that this is actually his dream sequence of tying his whole life up in a bow and then dying. So then what do you think, like, or what's the theory that all this is, like, in place if they ever wanted to bring it, bring it back? Oh, I, I didn't think of that. I guess, I mean, that, that would kind of make sense. I just took it as all the people in his life are just a little bit screwed but moving on. And his finale is he dies alone and cold in the wilderness. And this is his dream of wrapping it up. Well, that's quite a bit to think about, but I, I wonder <laughs> if it if it kind of suffers from that fan theory syndrome. Oh, sure, sure. You can pull a million different things to corroborate just about any theory, because like after the fact, anything can be recontextualized. But I'll be damned if that's not interesting. It really it's, is. It's, I enjoy it either way. I, like once I was kind of clued into the theory, I like it because uh, I don't like Walter White Ninja. Like that doesn't like that doesn't jibe with what the rest of it. But on the other hand, it's not so you know he's not using sword or anything, so it's not completely ridiculous. I enjoy it either way. When you say ninja, are you talking like he was actually kicking ass, or just the fact that he was sneaking around? Just the fact that he was so sneaky, the fact that he yeah. was moving in and out of places utterly undetected in a city where he was like the most famous criminal in history. <laughs> and what about uh, like when he was just like sitting at a bar having a drink when he was supposed to be in hiding? Like it was a little too casual. Like you were saying, he was all over the news. Didn't he see himself on the news while he was there or something? Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah. Still a great series, though. My Still God, a great show. blew all my expectations. I constantly surprised. I, I don't know what else to say other than it was fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, one I have to mention here. Uh, I had Breaking Bad on the list, so I'm glad that came up. But one that's taking the stinker award for me 
is Seinfeld's last episode. Oh. I don't know if you guys remember that at all. Yep. Yep, I remember it. They ended that series. What a beautiful run it was. But they ended it with a clip show. Oh, huh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it had an original story wrapped around it. You know, they were, what was it, Jerry and George's show they had tried to sell earlier in the series, you know, had got picked up by the new uh, management of NBC. So they were being flown out to uh, California to start filming, and their plane had to land for some reason. I don't yep. remember where. What was it? In some small town. Yeah, yeah, and they saw a uh, an obese man being mugged, and they just filmed it and <laughs> laughed <laughs> while it happened, <laughs> rather than intervene, and that ended up being a crime there, and they went to jail. Now, but, see, it's weird that that, I'm sorry, I have to jump in. I think it, it fits so well with The Shield and Breaking Bad and Seinfeld, where you realize, despite how much you like these characters... They They're are the bad good. guy. They're <laughs> yeah. the bad guy of this show, and they deserve <laughs> to be punished. It's the truth. It's the truth. They are horrible people, but, I mean, my God, that's what made them so funny to watch because we can all relate. That's who we all are on the inside. We just hide it with a false exterior, with a shiny smile and whatnot, right? Yeah, that's what Larry I, David does best is yes. bringing out all that genuine, true human anger and misery and disapproval and getting rid of that veneer of like courtesy we all seem to cover it with exactly exactly and it's nice to pull that veil back you guys haven't seen um, there's a mashup it's like just 30 seconds long of Breaking Bad and Curb Your Enthusiasm oh my god soul (laughs) I am already there it's It, it, it came out about a day after the ending of one specific episode in the last season of Breaking Bad, and it was really hilarious when that hat when it first came out. I don't know if it'll be as funny now, but it's holy shit, it's funny. I'll be looking that up. I am such Absolutely. a fan of Curb. Your enthusiasm, my God, what a great show! <laughs> so when, when you're looking for the thumbnails of it, it is the uh, the train robbery episode of Breaking Bad. So if you see a little <laughs> bit of that. Okay. Cue it up and just, yeah. Man, you, you're making me remember things from Breaking Bad through this conversation that I haven't thought about in a long time, and I just still feel that weight. Like, <laughs> I, I still need some time before I get, revisit that series, I think. When I, I was watching that series, I, you know, as the episodes were coming out, and I would talk about it with my sister in, like, the first, second, or third season, and then she stopped watching it for a while. And then we happened to be on a family vacation in Florida during the, like, second-to-last series, second-to-last season. Mm-hmm. And I was watching it. And so she was kind of popping in and out of it. And she said something like, oh, boy, how's he going to get out of this one? And she said <laughs> it with such optimism that I was like, I, I thought to myself, wow, she still thinks he's the good guy. <laughs> and I didn't realize how, what a huge, like... We were talking about two different characters. That's crazy. And it's brilliant at the same time. It's brilliant writing. That's the best. Literally the best TV show. Yeah. You know, I used before that came along, I was I loved Weeds. And I still do. It's a fun series. But man, talk about going off the rails and just getting ridiculous at points. It was a good show, but um, it, it drives me nuts when a show kind of loses sight of itself, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think there was like 
well, there was a season finale uh, about four or five seasons in where they're having a family picnic and you see Nancy, the main character, like you see her head in crosshairs and you, you see, a, you hear the bullet go, you know, the gun go off and that's the end of the season. And when it comes back yeah. up, it's like, yeah, I've been shot in the head, but, you know, we put a Band-Aid on that shit and it's going to be good. We're good. <laughs> I mean, they just kept rolling. I'm like, oh, what? not really how that works, is no, it? It's no, that's you, no. If you live, you still got some shit to deal with. You're not going to be back up to 100% the next day or even at all, probably. Right, exactly. I, I, I kind of admire. I kind of. I imagine there must have been some writer's room decision. What are we going to do? And somebody said, "Can we just ignore it and do the other story?" And they're like, oh, "All right, let's let's just do that." I kind of admire that. Easy solution. Oh well, I'm not a TV producer, so what do I know? You know, nothing. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you for, again for reminding me, Jake. I just wanted to make sure everyone was clear on that. <laughs> gotcha. Oh man, how how do we how do we segue into a t-shirt commercial with finales, Jake? I, I mean, oh, I don't I don't ooh, know how it's done. Crudely. Can Crude. we can we do it with a cliffhanger? We have a t-shirt I got an idea. on sale. Let's but... do it with a coat hanger. That <laughs> <laughs> sounds more of like a back alley abortion than anything. Oh, yeah, I guess if you want to take it in that direction. I just thought it was <laughs> it's, it's like a shirt pun. Oh. oh, see, Josh was going oh, down boy. the same alley I was. I think. Yeah, I was going down that same alley you were. See, thank you. I felt like a fucking idiot for a minute, but I have been reaffirmed. Jake, you're the idiot. She, fuck you. <laughs> oh no! I don't need to impress you, people. Society6.com forward slash CandarePod. That's where you can get some Candare T-shirts, decals, coasters, koozies, your mother's drapes. We have it all, people. Wall clocks, not them pesky ceiling or floor clocks that you're always stepping on. These are the ones that go on the fucking wall, people. I go through three a month. (laughs) There has to be a better way. (laughs) Candare's here. (laughs) Why? Candare's got your wall clocks. Society6.com forward slash Candare pod. Check it out. Go buy some shit and help us out. Would you already? Come on. God, it's hot in here. And with that, <laughs> let's swing open the door to the comic vault. Maybe it's a little cooler in there. Who would like to start? Jake, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, why not? Well, folks, I misspoke at the top of this episode. I said that the star slip had been concluded since 2015. No, no, it's been done since 2012. So l- let me let me say, though, this is a phenomenal comic. Well worth your attention even now. And if I'm not mistaken, the fan base continues to adore and talk about this comic well after that conclusion. So uh, in my mind, it's just as relevant in this moment as it was in 2005 when it hit the scene. Let me give you the uh, the, the Cliff Notes version here, because as with any webcomic, I don't want to give too much away all at once. But here we've got Starslip, written by, written, drawn, created, I guess I should say, by Chris Straub. And the premise is, it is the year 3441, and everything is pretty much awesome. It talks about uh, alabaster streets gleaming with trim lines of silver, the air electric and alive, coruscating with atoms of rarefied platinum. It cuts to a spaceship whose halls are made of gold-plated mahogany. I mean, this is this is wow. a post-scarcity world. Earth is doing okay. And we're taken to the uh, the spaceship Fuseli, which is the worst, uh, what does it say? The galaxy's only starship museum. 
all of mankind's dreadful history, museums, were, it says right here on the pamphlet, uh, museums were feared and reviled as houses of boredom. Now imagine viewing the greatest works of all time. Da Vinci, Van Gogh, Picasso, Dolly, Kithlach, Varg, 10110101, bathed in the light of the cosmos, as the artists must have originally intended. And so that's the premise, which I adore. It's a spaceship museum. You're taken to the curator and his uh, his crewmates of various species and quirks and their most prized possession. I'm, I'm going to end it on this one because this will tell you everything you need to know about this comic. All right, here we go. It says uh, he's talking to a, a group of tourists, the curator. This is my favorite wing, the period between 1950 and 2050, a.k.a. the Forgotten Era, a.k.a. the Surprise There Was Anything Afterwards Era. Here is our most valuable piece, the only remaining print of the early 21st century film, Catwoman. It's hard to believe it was so misunderstood in its time, but what great work is it? So if that doesn't sum it all up, I don't know what will. Check out Starslip by Chris Straub. Follow him on Twitter. I believe his Twitter handle is just Chris Straub, at Chris Straub. Let me confirm right now using the magic of technology. Yeah, K-R-I-S-S-T-R-A-U-B. Super active on Twitter. Check him out. Look at his stuff. He's brilliant. I love it when they keep the Twitter handle simple instead of making it Isn't some nice? dumb shit like yeah. the boning bison or I don't know what <laughs> <Yeah>. you <laughs> make it, but anything but your name. What are these, Futhark runes? How do you even type those? <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Jake. Very good. Uh, Josh, would you like to go next? Keeping with the star theme, I was thinking of uh, DC Comics' Starman, the James Robinson run. I've never never read it. I am not familiar. Oh, it is simply gorgeous. It it came out probably – it started in the mid-90s, I think, and it was after a few different Starman series – there was one in the early 90s, I want to say, that was totally early 90s style, like mullet hair, angsty, space nice. blasting adventure. And then the James Robinson series started off, uh, I want to say, I, I'm not I'm not going to try to name the artist because I'm going to misremember it. Just brilliant, loving detail on everything. And it was... The son of the original Starman from the Justice Society, kind of forced to take over the mantle of Starman, but refusing to do it the right way. And it's just a loving, loving, loving examination of science fiction and retro culture. Okay, so the thing is, um, it's Jack Knight, the son of. Ted Knight, I think, was the original Starman. And Jack Knight, like, briefly dabbled with being a superhero in the early 80s. And he was, like, the punk rock version in some early DC, you know, early 80s DC comic that didn't work. So when they brought him back, he was an older post-punk rock punk. So he's into, like, retro radios and old tattoo designs and, like, He's into like going into antique stores. And like, so he starts loving all this old stuff. And then by doing that, starts to like love all the science that his dad created, even though he was totally against the like, you know, kind of like bullshit superhero era. He still has all this great affection for that era's culture. 
and oh wow, I'm doing it again, just like with the King of the Hill. These two, the very different father and son, find that like, oh yeah, they have a lot in common. And once he gets out there and starts superheroing, he starts to realize, oh, a lot of this bullshit that you were doing makes sense. And a lot of it also like doesn't, and he does it his own way. And it's like heartbreaking and love it. It's it's one of the best complete series you'll ever read. It's so good that even though the character was very, very popular, at the end of that series, he went away to retire. He gave up being Starman. And to my knowledge, DC has never really seriously brought him back. Huh. You know, I couldn't think for who you were talking about. And while you were talking, I looked it up on my phone. And I do remember this, uh, the Ted, excuse Ted Knight. Yeah, that'd be the father, yeah. correct? I remember yeah. his version, seeing him occasionally. Not that I ever read anything, but he looks familiar. And I'm also seeing uh, what would be his son here. I really yeah. dig this design. And I, it looks like there's quite a few different variations. But yes. I man, I don't know if it's been done or not, but just looking at his, you know, the the star on his chest, which is not like a Captain America star, it's turned yep. to where it looks almost like a pentagram, like a like the the mark of the beast or whatever. And if there was a villain, right. like a doppelganger villain who actually had that on his chest, boy, wouldn't that be cool? Call him like anti star or something. <laughs> Hell, man. <laughs> So I don't know what you call him, but um, yeah, that's really cool. I'm gonna have to look into this because uh, it looks like he was a—he's an old character, isn't he? Is he not? Yeah, yeah. Or the mantle, he, rather. Yes, he's one of the original like DC heroes from the original Justice Society, like Golden. And Age. through through the series, they go back through like they visit all that stuff. Like there's time travel in the series. There's lots of beautiful looping time travel where they drop little hints early on like oh the mystery of this thing from back in the 50s and then in issue like 75 you find out oh that was actually this thing we're gonna do that now we're gonna see that and do this it's it's highly worth the read i'm gonna have to do that right on yeah i'm i am very intrigued i see there's a a a panel here with him and shazam together oh yeah 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 very cool (laughs) I, I dig your enthusiasm. Your, your your enthusiasm for Starman is infectious. I think that's what's going to drive me to check him out. Starman it is. Very good. Very, very good. Well, what I'm bringing to the table this week is a uh, kind of a rehash. I visited this well once before and just haven't been able to get it out of my mind since. Uh, Jake, I don't know if you remember when I brought Crawdad's Welcome to the show. Oh, boy. I think that we... sounds like the kind of thing I'd remember, but I don't. Oh, I think you will, because I think we've talked about this comic a few times since. Um, the one that I originally brought to the table was just a three-panel strip. Uh, all, all this work is done by Ezra Butt, and if you go to crawdadswelcome.tumblr.com, you'll, you can check out all the different work, but it is gorgeous, gorgeous work. And Wait a minute. Yeah, uh, you know now going. I remember. And, uh, Jake, how would you describe the artwork? I mean, it is so... Gorgeous. It's, it's it, almost got the the look of like a fine woodcut engraving. Almost, yeah, I can kind of see like that. It's like that sharp, clear, almost photorealistic shading. It reminds me of illustrations you might find in an old like Winnie the Pooh book or like a Velveteen yeah, Rabbit yeah. kind of. It's I, got that. I almost want to say classical yeah. black and white. It's gorgeous. Feel. But yeah. what makes 
at least some of these, because not all these comics are funny. Some of them uh, are serious, and some of them are just pictures. You know, it's just artwork that is uh, put up. I don't know if it's weekly or how often it's put up. But the comic that got my attention was a family of rabbits living in their house. You know, and these are <laughs> like rabbits who are walking upright. You know, the dad's wearing a suit, the mom's in a dress and apron, and the little kid comes busting through the door with little bib overalls on and a mask saying... Look, chumps, I'm motherfucking Ronald Reagan. And pulls a Ronald Reagan mask over his face. And the dad just gives the sternest look, says, How dare you? And then the last panel is the little rabbit over the dad's knee getting his ass beat. And that's it. And that's just priceless. I want it on my wall. That is art. That is good, you know? In that household, you do not disrespect Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Even guess, in jest. Is that what it is? Is it either you do not disrespect or you just do not mention that name yeah, dude it could go either way it really that's could. the beauty of it, it or really maybe it was the foul language that could be it too I never even thought about that or maybe they're just anti-mask <laughs> I hate anti-mask families it's like a religious thing well I uh, again I came to this well again to see if I could find another gem and boy did I ever I can't wait to uh, show you, uh, Jake, when you come over. Maybe there's a link maybe I can put up on the website somehow. Yeah. Anyway, this comic opens with a great big open, like, I don't don't know what a room where people play chess in front of a bunch of people would, I don't know if there's a room for, a name for that kind of room. Uh, a chessatorium. I, I might call that a parlor. A, a chess parlor. parlor? Okay. Wow. Okay. From what I'm seeing, parlor would be a great word. There is a parlor with a bunch of people watching a chess game. And the camera cuts to the one person playing chess. It's a man sitting there in a little bow tie and a suit. And he goes, uh-oh, no, 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 no. And you see his opponent's hand clack down. You know the uh, the checkmate, the king. I don't I don't know how to play chess, so I don't know what the fuck he's clicking <laughs> down. But it's a winning move, whatever he's doing, and it cuts sure. to the face of his opponent, <laughs> and it's a it's a white seal, and he says checkmate. And the next thing you see is the man pulling into his garage in an old car, and he's just going shit, 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 like he's having to break this news to his wife. He comes in the door, and he goes, "Honey, I'm home." I lost the match, and he comes walking down the hallway and sees her clothes strewn about, and he goes, honey? And he peeks in the door, and the seal <laughs> is railing his wife. <laughs> I, I love it. It's another gem I want on my wall. It is so good. Check out crawdadswelcome.tumblr.com. Again, we'll have a link up for it. And uh, you can find Ezra Butt on Twitter at Ezra Butt. And on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Ezra Butt. Check it out, people. All right. With that behind us, let's turn our full attention over to Josh and talk about Skies Over Superior. It's awesome to have you back again, man. And we've just got to hear about this book. I got on the Kickstarter that was uh, successfully funded. Congratulations, by the way. Yes, on that. thank you. But, um, you know, what we saw looked beautiful. We just we want to hear more about it. What can you tell us and the listeners about Skies Over Superior? Well, I can tell you right away what you were seeing is um, art and colors and everything by uh, artist Laura Burl. And um, she's amazing, and I'm so happy to be working with her. Um, I don't know. I need more specific questions. Ask me something about it. What's it about? It is about um, 
family and mental illness and depression and mythical creatures and folk music. One thing that I saw uh, in a description on the Kickstarter was that, uh, and I'm probably going to butcher this, is like uh, when the lake freezes over, it allows passage for these ice giants to come. Pretty much, yes. The the frost giants are crossing Lake Superior to destroy this small town and, in fact, all of humanity and merrily fight a young girl. Well, she, she's about 15. Um, discovers that this is happening and somehow fortune or misfortune make it her responsibility to stop it. And it looks like she's going to be, uh, I mean, just based on the pictures I've seen, using uh, music in some capacity to do that. Is, is that a safe assumption? Yes. Well, there's um, I, my, my goal and ambition is to have a new song with every single issue of the comic, like a new song in the comic itself. In issue one, she finds an old tape of her dad singing a song. And she plays she plays the song on headphones, and it has to it moves the story forward. It tells her what she, the next thing she needs to do, and then from that point on, the songs are going to be sort of Lake Superior, Northern Michigan, Canada folk songs that have sort of clues in them as to where what, what the next thing is they have to do. I love that concept. That it's kind of like a, uh, a national treasure kind of a feel, you know, yeah. just that, that hunt through, uh, through these songs. That's, that's amazing. And, so, you know, I think it's, it's well documented at this point that we're suckers for, like, the intersection of comics and music. No doubt. There is no doubt about that. And that's, you know, one thing that really grabbed me when I saw that. You know, you have a couple, it looks like a few different musicians uh, tied in this project yes. as well with you. Uh, who are they first? Uh, the musicians involved, uh, the, the musician that wrote and performed and recorded the song that Merrily actually hears. And you'll, everyone who buys issue one is going to get this song with it. it we'll have a download code in issue one. So you can actually hear what Merrily is hearing is by a uh, musician, Rickolus, R-I-C-K-O-L-U-S, uh, on all the major, you know, social media platforms. Um, and it's just amazing. Like, I don't know anything about writing music which is unfortunate for me because I'm writing a comic book about writing music. <laughs> um, but I just sent him wild guidelines. Like the song should be about this, but not really ever mention that. And it should be sad in this way, but happy in this way. And it should be kind of about that. And he just came back with this beautiful song and it's uh, like heartbreaking and poignant, but also kind of... It's meant to be written by uh, like a young man, so it's. I purposely wanted it heavily uh, Nirvana influenced, mm. and it it is. It sounds like that, and it's really good. Uh, the other songs that were written for it were actually by my neighbor, happens to be a, uh, a folk musician. And if Gee, I'm talking about lucked enough, out probably, on this whole thing, <laughs> oh, dude, you don't even know. Like every every time I had an idea, like well maybe this, like the very next thing that happens is like well here's that thing you just mentioned. The universe um, is just pushing everything in your direction. Like, not I, I should specify, not just my neighbor, literally my downstairs neighbor. Like, I don't <laughs> have to put shoes on to go see him. Your most accessible neighbor. Yes, yes. That's awesome. Um, I could, w w without breaking conversation with you, I could go get him on this call. I won't. 
Wow. But um, he's also a folk musician, and I sort of clued him into it, like, hey, we're doing this thing. Do you want to get involved? And I sent him a few you know, early notes, and he just exploded on it. And his, you know, exploded as a uh, uh, acoustic folk artist explodes. Sure. But <laughs> the songs are just gorgeous. I'll send you guys some. You can, you can, you know, put them, you know, include them in this if you want. But oh, beautiful! Yeah, I love doing that. They are fantastic. They're haunting and like maybe a little bit silly, but also maybe a little bit scary. They're they're just fantastic. We'll either put some of them over our conversation now, or I'll just put some at the end of the episode so people can really oh, listen. Yeah. Or awesome. a little bit of both, depending on what you send. Uh, it'll be awesome either way. Yeah. So I, I got to say, as excellent as this is all sounding, it's kind of unfair because I, I can't resist anything that features Frost Giants. Mm. I was on board right off the rip there. So all of this is just extra. I, I, I love awesome. the countdown. Like the, the I mean, I'm assuming that's how it works. It's a big countdown to the whole lake freezes over and then they have to deal with this problem like the the dread and anticipation of that happening that's probably going to build and suspense throughout that story. It, it's actually a, a little bit the opposite of that. They, they cross the, the idea is the giants can walk across the bottom of the lake and because oh, they're wow. giants, they can breathe most of the way, but they have to turn back because they know, they know the sun is coming up and only on the very darkest night of the year the winter solstice can they get far enough across that if they see the lights of mankind they'll continue forward so this town has an ancient tradition that they no one in the town really knows why they have the tradition anymore but every year on the darkest night of the year so I'll, I'll jump back a minute cuz this backstory might not actually make it onto the page of the comic so I don't mind I don't mind giving it away in podcasts sure um the tradition in the town is everybody decorates their house with Christmas lights for Christmas, but nobody turns them on. And they just keep decorating and decorating and decorating up until the winter solstice, you know, right, around New Year's, but the darkest night of the year. And just before midnight, everyone in town turns all their lights off. Like five minutes before midnight, every light is turned off. And it, they sit that way until like five minutes after midnight. And then one boy in town... You know, usually the star football player, you know, whoever it is, the town's golden boy runs down to the lighthouse at the end of the pier, lights the lighthouse, and then all the town turns on all their lights, all their the Christmas lights that no one has been able to see up to that point, and they have a big party in the streets. Well, what they don't know is that in those five minutes of darkness, the frost giants have surfaced, looked around, and realized, oh, we didn't see him again this year. Turn back, everybody, and they turn and leave. So if somebody had the misfortune of having lights on at that time, the giants would continue crossing and kill everyone. Mm. Wonderful. Impending doom, and, and they don't even really, uh, well, I guess they're aware, but don't realize right. how close this it is. This year, something has gone wrong, and some of the giants have arrived a little bit early. And so that's the thing that Merrily is clued into. And... So she will have a chance to stop the the coming onslaught. Nice, nice. Now this was uh, I assume just recently funded, right? This Kickstarter isn't that old. 
new. It was just recently funded uh, um, just at the end of July. Oh, wow. 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 Very recently. Okay. Very good. So, no, I haven't even, I haven't sent out all the rewards. I haven't even sent out all the digital awards. I'm still just a little bit reeling from the success. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, for people, I don't know how uh, the, you ran your Kickstarter. I know some people, one thing we learned in the last couple episodes here that have been using Kickstarter as like a pre order method rather than just a funding a project method. Um, so I don't know if you did that kind of aspect. Like, is this the only avenue for people to get the comic? Or what about those people who didn't back the comic who are now thinking, man, I want to get my hands on that? Is it going to become available at some point for them? Oh, it's absolutely available to everyone who wants it. Nice. Um, right now, so during the Kickstarter campaign, the URL, skiesoversuperior.com, pointing to the Kickstarter. Right now it's pointing to the Skies Over Superior uh, Facebook page. Because I'm still setting up the store, the the digital files aren't quite ready to. You there's a version that you could read, but it's not the optimal readable digital version yet. Sure. So we're we're once those are out, once the store is a good functioning store, that link will go right there, and yeah, anyone can buy whatever they want. I'm excited to check it out. Again, uh, I I strongly recommend people, not only like Josh was saying, go to Facebook, but yeah, do check out that Kickstarter because there's still that video you guys have on there. has a good Mm -hmm. example of the music and shows a lot of the artwork. And then if you scroll down through, you can even see a lot more, read a few panels. gives a good look into the comic. Great place to start. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Josh, is there anywhere else people should be checking you out? I thought you were on Twitter, right? I don't use Twitter much. I still haven't really figured out my place on Twitter. Okay. Uh, I use Instagram a little bit more to post art from my artists. So on Instagram, I'm at Skies Over Superior. I'm at Rapid City Comic and at The Barks Comic. All right. Just writing these down. I think I have those other two I've already... I think we already follow you on most of those, but not over Skies Over Superior. Awesome. Well, we'll uh, make sure we get those posted on the website as well, get as many people following you as we can and on board with this project, though I don't think it's going to take a lot of convincing to make that happen. But uh, Josh, I want to thank you so much again for being back with us. We had a lot of fun today. Hope you had uh, fun yourself. I had a great time. Sorry about the uh, little technical interruption there. (laughs) It wouldn't be the same if we didn't have a technical uh, interruption of some kind. It's a weekly occurrence. Don't feel bad, Josh. If it wasn't going (laughs) to be you, it was going to be something else. I'm proud that I can take that on for you guys. Yes, it's it's like being in Pee Wee's Playhouse. You chose the magic word for the week. Awesome. Something like that. I don't know. It's hot in this fucking room. Leave me alone. (laughs) Jake. just fine. You're doing great. (laughs) Jake, what do we have on the website? We have got show links. We've got our featured guest page. We've got links to our merchandise as well as our social networking outlets like Twitter, where we are at CannedAirPod, and Instagram, where we are at Canned underscore Air. We've got a link to our Patreon, where just $5 a month will net you access to our Founders Club Patreon-exclusive podcast, as well as the Fantasy Fight special and more to come. Uh, If you're attending a Wizard World convention in the near future, don't forget to use our name, CannedAir, no space, at checkout for a cool what is it ten dollars or ten percent ten percent ten percent i'm crossing my streams here a cool ten percent off your purchase spend a hundred dollars and it'll be ten dollars hey there you go right yeah so you you weren't wrong no it's just it's a matter of how much (laughs) 
<laughs> right, right. And uh, also, head over to... So, it's almost true that the more you spend, the more you save. That is, yeah. in some ways, true. Yes. No, it, it is. It really is true. You spend more, what a great more savings back. opportunity. I like the way you think, Josh. Maybe we have to start including you on some of these uh, pre-recorded commercials <laughs> yeah. we do. Like the cut of your jib, sir. But also head over to at What If Series on Twitter. And uh, I think we have uh, a Facebook presence up now as well. And uh, give us a follow. It's our new show we are doing. Hoping to have up and ready released here in October. Um, based off the segments we were doing on the show called What If, where we just take a simple question like what if animals could talk or what if humans could fly and just spend an episode dissecting it. And boy, has it been a lot of fun recording yeah, those. Yeah, and reception's been great. Really great. So we hope it's uh, just as good when we launch. Again, go to at What If Series. Give us a follow. Be in the know when that series launches. Of course, we'll always be letting the people on here know. And um, anything else, guys? No, I think that about covers it. Just thanks for having me. Oh, well, thanks for being back, Josh. We really appreciate it. And, you know, I just remembered there is something I forgot. And, boy, do I feel like a heel putting it all the way at the end of this. But uh, Charlotte Ray passed away today, which who was uh, Mrs. Garrett on The Facts of Life at the age of 92. And I just wanted to mention that really quick. I Again, it's really rude probably being here at the very tippy end of the episode. But, uh, boy, as much as we talk about old t- television and uh, reminisce on it, she was a big part of that. And uh, Yeah. You know, our thoughts are with her family, and uh, thank you for all the entertainment you left behind. But until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. And I'm Josh Dahl. Thanks for listening, everyone. As I tilted my head to the skies, I could barely believe my eyes. Northern lights danced you come over here and spray paint your name on the wall but i don't wanna what are you chicken hold on there boys wow it's flint instead of writing your name write candairpodcast.com and help spread the word well that's a great idea now we know and knowing is half the battle gi What up?
Man, I went through like six different jokes I was going to say when you finished, but you outlasted all of them. So <laughs> at this point, I'm just impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Well done. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. <laughs>